What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Special guests here today, personal friend and also the founder of NFT Seattle, the COO of Brandtegic, and the host of Marketing in the Metaverse, where many hats. Welcome, Mark Robinson, to our show. Excited to be here. Thanks, Joe. Cool. So I like to ask everyone this. You wear many hats, really ambitious. How did you, you know, one, get inspired by it, either be NFTs or Web3? And also, you know, where do you get your, um, you know, your ambition from? You, you, you do a lot of things. So NFTs and Web3, I actually went to design school and have always had a little bit of an artistic flair or just enjoyed like design, aesthetic, art in things. And I remember there was a moment when I went to art school actually only for a year. And, but I, I saw all of these amazing, innovative, really cool projects where people had designed something innovative for a company. And this is all inside of this art school, but they were all just senior projects or whatever. And they just kind of died there. And I remember thinking, man, the dream would be able to fund all of these artists and all these amazing ideas that these people have that are, could change the game for so many companies. Like I just saw all these different things, whether it was a chair or a phone or whatever, like was industrial design is what I studied. And so all these just really cool things, Mm -hmm. but it was just a project and there wasn't like the funding to take a creative idea and turn that into a game-changing business is like, there's a big gap there. And so for me, that was like, man, that would be the dream to be able to come into a situation like that and be able to fund, play a part in, you know, what artists are doing. And so when I saw NFTs, I was already interested in crypto. I was looking for a creative outlet and then NFTs kind of came to the forefront more in, uh, you know, beginning of, let's see, when was that? I guess beginning of, well, in middle of, middle of 21, 2021, and it was kind of a combination of a lot of things I was really interested in. It was the art, it was the business, like the creativity, crypto, all into one. And it really lowered the barrier for entry and allowed artists a much more feasible way to actually gain some traction, get funding, that kind of stuff. So that was the initial thing that got me excited about Web3 is I don't love studying charts and crypto and tracking the markets and that kind of stuff. But you throw some artwork on it and I got excited. So. For me, yeah. that was that was kind of how I got excited about uh, NFTs, at least. And then ambition and drive, where does that come from? It's hard to, it's kind of hard to say because I think in some ways, like I've always been pretty driven. You know, when I was 10, I remember printing out hundreds of flyers and driving her all around neighborhoods to drum up business for a landscaping business I started. And then going like door to door and did like my own painting nice. thing. And like, I've done that stuff since I was, you know, 10, 15. So since early, um, how, how many customers did you get with those hundred flyers? <laughs> I think I had about five, uh, consistent people that I was mowing the lawn for every month. Nice. Yeah. So, nice. um, but I, I do remember a moment where I saw Mark Zuck. I think I was a freshman in college. Mark Zuckerberg had just become a billionaire. And I remember thinking, okay, we're about the same age and this dude's no better than me. If I had like the right idea or the right thing, I would work my ass off to make it happen to be like, if he can do it, I can do it. Doesn't my goal is maybe not necessarily to be a billionaire because you need a freaking amazing idea and, you know, time to do that. But um, at least to be wildly successful or to, you know, to make it right. And so, um, but I remember seeing that and I was like, okay, if I just have the right idea, if I have the right thing, I will like put my heart into it. I'll work extremely hard and that has kind of haunted me sometimes because then I get a good idea and I'm like, I'm juggling multiple things. I'm like, you said if you had the right mm-hmm. idea, you'd pour yourself into it. And I'm like, 
all right, well, I got some good ideas now. Like, let's see what happens. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're around an environment where there's tons of ideas all the time with Brantichik. And now you moved up um, in this position. Can you tell us a little bit about Brantichik itself? Yeah, so Brantigic, we do, we're a marketing agency, content agency, where we create a lot of dope content for brands on social media. So uh, what we do the most is short form video content. Think Instagram reels, TikToks, YouTube shorts, that kind of stuff. Even Twitter's now pushing video. And so we are equipping brands, whether it's a growing personal brand or a forward thinking company that is looking to establish themselves, generate some more brand awareness on social. That's where we come in and we do all the content. So we create the idea. We actually do all the scripting and story writing or whatever for a lot of the videos. And then we film it, edit it. And sometimes we're posting it, managing the whole strategy for them too. Nice. Just a segue for a little bit because it's on the news. Tell us about this TikTok ban that's happening across the world. What's going on with that? Is TikTok going to be around? I don't know too much about the the TikTok bans, to be honest. I feel like that's been something that's been threatened for the past two, three years. And they keep saying they're going to shut it down. And then, you know, I think, was it India or some some com- country yeah. uh, didn't just actually yeah. put, a, put a ban in place. But I don't know. They've been, they've been saying that since the beginning of TikTok. And so I'm not overly concerned about it. It could happen, but I don't expect TikTok to go away. Yeah, I don't expect it either. Unfortunately, I spent way too much time on that thing. Uh, I'm roping it back to NFTs now. I did think it was really interesting how China created TikTok and their version is way more educational and curated (laughs) and value driven. And then the one that was was like released to the world and is taking over, you know, the eight to 18 year olds lives here is all about dancing and stupid stuff. And that was interesting. Yeah, very interesting. (laughs) Well, let's bring it back to NFTs real quick. So you, you mentioned you have, you know, some ideas that sometimes, you know, um, take take away and, and bring life to it. And one of these was NFT Seattle. That was a massive undertaking. How, how did you, you know, decide to come about that? I'm sure a lot of people out in their cities and states are like, hey, you know what? We don't have one here. Maybe we should start one. Where'd you get the inspiration and how was that process? Yeah. So there's a lot of events happening in New York, Miami, L.A., and some smaller cities, but those are definitely the main three, the, the major ones. Got the got the NFT Seattle hat right here representing. Um, mm-hmm. But seeing all these events in other places, and I, I wanted to go to a number of them, wasn't able to make it to some. Finally, I was at NFT LA and I went to a, a couple of smaller ones too. Not, not like the main events, but just different smaller 100, 200 person events. And loved the community. It's just a, like people that are into NFTs is such a wide variety, like a big medley melting pot of people, right? Where you've got this, you know, degenerative collector over here. You've got this rapper over here that's, you know, putting this music out as an NFT. You've got a venture capitalist over here. You've got a hedge fund manager over here. You've got like a developer over here. You've got the, like, it's just this super wide range mix of all these different kinds of people from all different backgrounds that kind of have an equal playing field and they're all innovative forward thinking doing something different kind of going against the grain by doing something that just the world is looking at with a big question mark and a little bit skeptical of and so in my mind it's like those are people i want to spend time with people that are going against the grain doing something creative doing something forward thinking and innovative like i like those kind of people and so for me i was like man how can i i want to meet more people like that and 
So going to some of the events, thought they were really fun, <clears throat> connected with some really good people, but also left feeling like one, Seattle need this. And two, I feel like I could do way better than that. Like I wasn't that impressed. And I'm yeah. not calling out NFTLA or anybody. Yeah. Other. It was it was more of the, some of the smaller ones that were probably more in line with what I was thinking we could do. And so I had that idea and I started thinking about it. I talked to the guys who own the NFT museum out here. Uh, World's first NFT museum is in Seattle and opened up right around the same time that I was starting to have conversations about putting together an event. And then having not talked to my friend Lennox, who launched his own NFT project, one of my best friends, he reached out to me and was like, hey, what do you think about this? I feel like we should throw an event. And I'm like, dude, I've been having these conversations. I've already got the thought in <laughs> for it. So as soon as he said that, it was like, all right, this has been an idea that I've been like, this rabbit hole I've been going down. And as soon as he brought it up, it was like, all right, we got to do this at this point. If we're both thinking it without having talked to each other about it, this is going to happen. It was an awesome event. I was, for those of don't know, I was there. I met some great people there. I uh, got Preston Wu, the CFO of Taffy on the podcast awesome. recently and might get some more. I mean, it was a really intimate event and not to throw shade on NFT San Francisco. Uh, it wasn't as intimate. It was the same size, but it just wasn't intimate. It was a little bit colder. We didn't have the the same amount of, you know, musicians and artists there. It was just more tech people in San Francisco, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, you definitely had the melting pot of people and you had a big speaker there. I mean, so that's my question. Uh, what's like the next big hair, hairy, scary goal? You got like the biggest speaker you can, you can get. And for those you don't know, they got Tom Bayou, who is a, you know, I believe he's a billionaire. He sold Quest uh, uh, Nutrition Bars. He has his own NFT project. He's mm -hmm. the creator of Impact Theory. I mean, what's the next North Star? I mean, you already got the guy. <laughs> what's next? Yeah. So he, I mean, when we started going down the the path of putting the event together, it was Gary Vee and Tom Billy were the two people where like, that was the dream right. keynote speaker, right? was one of them. And so having had Tom there and Tom's the reason Lennox, my co-founder and I even got connected around NFTs in the first place was through Tom talking nice. about it and posting about that and realizing we were both in the, in the same space, which is cool. So, um, oh, cool. but in terms of what's next, I think there's, I don't think it's as much of what's the biggest speaker that we can come get. Because one thing that we're seeing is I think a lot of, a lot of the events have some of the same people saying the same thing. And people mm -hmm. are, because of that, it's attracting a lot of people that are already in the space and they are going to a lot of the parties and they're not necessarily sticking around for the talks. Even if you have a really high level speaker, mm. um, you know, you've got, you've got an amazing speaker, but people are just trying to hang out and go to the bar because they just want to meet all the other people. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the shelf life of these NFT events as they stand? What's the next iteration? How do we make it more experience driven? What does Seattle have to offer that Miami, LA, New York don't have? Like what's our differentiator? So we're talking about some of those things. Um, and I think the experiences are cool. If people can come and have like a really unique experience, that's something that's not just sitting in a room listening to another big name that you hear on YouTube and Instagram and all the other places all the time. And he right. gave the same talk at NFTLA three months you know, before. Um, nothing against that because we want the big speakers and we want the big names and we want Tom Bilyeu again and would love to have Gary Vee and you know whoever's next. But something else that we're leaning into and looking at a little bit is um, Web3 and like on a broader scale, just emerging and disruptive tech, like AI, AR, VR, some of those things. There's a lot of local companies in Seattle that are big names, Google, 
Meta, Microsoft. Um, I mean, all of all of the big names have hubs and headquarters in Seattle, and are all doing things in those spaces. Starbucks, and some of them are okay and willing to talk about NFTs, but most of them are kind of keeping their distance still. This year, they're willing to get a little bit closer to it and talk more about it. Um, Salesforce would be another one. But so what we're looking at potentially doing is making it a little bit broader and having some of these really big brands that everybody wants to hear. What is Microsoft doing? What's Amazon doing? What's, um, you know, what's Starbucks have to say in this in this conversation? And Seattle can offer that because they're all here and. Um, so we're, we're looking at how can we open it up and make it an event that those companies are excited to be a part of and be a hub for how are these bigger brands and people that are investing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into this space and have kind of taken a backseat, been building quietly, watching everybody and all the chaos unfold as they're developing their strategy. T-Mobile would be another one. They sent a team to our event. We've had a handful of meetings with them and they're doing some really cool stuff. And so... How can we create an environment that is comfortable for those brands to come and share without it being them attaching themselves to what they have previously perceived as like a sketchy NFT scene that they don't really want to put their name on. Um, And so we're kind of navigating that. So what's next is, okay, creating a place where we can have some of the bigger brands and and thought leaders at some of these larger companies also share what they're doing in addition to, and that may not be a Gary V or a big name. I could say the name of some of these people and it'd be like, I've never heard of them. But if you tell me, Hey, they're actually running the web three strategy for this multi-billion dollar company. It's like, yo, I want to know what they're doing. Like, what do they know that I don't, if they've got all the resources and time in the world and a huge team in place to execute on this, that's really interesting. Like, what do they have to say? So I think that's going to be one of the iterations we'll be making going forward is figuring out, okay, how can we bring some of those guys into the mix too and create an event that still, and we still want to have, you know, the small artists and the music artists and the same mix and medley of people that we saw this last year, but also add to that some of the, you know, pioneers for big brands. Cause I think they're what's going to drive a lot of adoption for web three as well is people that have, millions of customers already, and they can do these little things to actually onboard a lot of people. And um, I think that's going to be a big shift that's coming and brands are starting to get, you know, some of these, these companies like Google and Starbucks obviously launched the Odyssey um, NFT and there's doing something Mm -hmm. now. And so I think some of these brands are starting to be at a place where they're going to be more vocal and starting to do some stuff. So I think that'll be a really interesting uh, next step for the space overall. And I'm excited for us to be able to Put some of those guys in the spotlight. Yeah, to your point, that that has been um, not a question, but more so what I see happening in 2023, where these big brands are onboarding just so many new people in this space, not knowing that they're even NFTs. They don't call it NFTs. You might have to change the name. <laughs> they're calling it digital collectibles exactly. or uh, whatever uh, <laughs> vernacular that they might use in there. So yeah. uh, definitely something that I hope happens a lot. And um, data-wise, we see that actually through... Um, the NFT dashboards where there's more wallet users than ever, more transactions than ever. The volume is not there because they're not focusing on price as the, as a the driver. They're, bo- they're focusing on adoption. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm excited for as uh, just, you know, a documenter of the space. So that, yeah, that's great because you guys have so many big players up there. It'll be great to see how the real world applications of this unfolds. And that's kind of my, my next question is, I think you answered it. I asked, you know, what was your biggest takeaway from NFT Seattle? Um, 
but that could be, is there anything else? Because I've learned so much. And when I was there, I, I was like, wow, there's so many people there that's actually doing, you know, real world activations. Like MetaGood, for example, they're raised $5 million for charity and actually activating that with UNICEF and you, and that blew my mind. I never knew that before coming to NFT Seattle. <laughs> yeah. you know, is there anything like that in scope that was kind of surprising to you that you learned or, or uh, from NFT Seattle? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I will, what I will say is, we had the idea for the event and we had a thesis that there's a lot of, because we're in Seattle where so many big brands, big companies have been birthed, there's a lot of innovation, intelligent people. And so our thesis was, there's a lot of people out here doing really cool stuff, working on really amazing projects and they just have not gotten in the same room and don't know each other. But we didn't have data to back that up. We're like, I think there's a lot here, but there was no real community in Seattle when we started putting the event together. There's a couple smaller events that have happened, some happy hours and stuff, but there wasn't a sense of community. There's people that I had talked to. There was people that are, you know, ape holders. And they're like, yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody in Seattle about NFTs. And they're like, bored ape, they're on Twitter spaces all day and they have zero connections in Seattle. And we're like, what? And so we we thought, there was going to be a lot of these people, but we didn't really know. And so we just kind of put ourselves out there, started building to see who would come. And even like there was somebody from, who was it? Coinbase found out about the event like four days before. And so we, and maybe this is like, yeah, I didn't do a good job marketing it. I don't know, but it's just, it's kind of hard to like, okay, how do I find all these with it being such a melting pot of all these random people in that are like, you know, on Twitter, just, lurking, whatever, or don't even, you know, I didn't realize there was 50 people that work at Coinbase in Seattle. Same with Dapper Labs, somebody the week wow. before, she's the VP of gaming at Dapper Labs. And she's like, Hey, would you want somebody from Dapper Labs to speak at this event? And I'm like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Like, yes. And uh, so she ended up being a speaker and she's like, yeah, there's actually like 15 of us that work here in Seattle. So a lot of those things start, there was a lot wow. of synchronicities or synergies that started happening and people started coming out of the woodworks, but when we started the journey, it was just a hypothesis that, okay, we think a community does exist here and it could be possible here, but now we just got to believe that, you know, beat this drum that we're putting this event together to get people out of the woodworks to come together. And that started to happen. So I would say a big takeaway for me as it relates to the city of Seattle was, okay, my, like we were correct in thinking there are a lot of people here doing interesting, innovative things, investing in the NFT web three space, and um, there's potential to have a community. It may be smaller, but it's really powerful. Like there's a lot of heavy hitters, even if there's not 10,000 people in the city that are, you know, that are in the space, but there's, there's a few hundred, but they're all like actively building and creating and doing some really cool things. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of interesting conversations have come out of that small community there. I know this is a pretty broad question, but what's next for NFTs Web3? You have a year underneath your belt. You ran one of the biggest, most successful conferences with the most diverse people that I've seen. Uh, or, or what would you like to see happen in the NFT Web3 space? Yeah, I think it's what we just talked about of having some of the big brands take their, become more vocal and and really take their own stab, stab at it instead of, you know, sitting on the sidelines and watching and learning. And I think... Um, so I think I think that is going to drive a lot of adoption, like we just talked about. I think that's going to be a huge step forward for the space. So that's what I see. That's what I'm excited about because that is going to help everybody. It's not like they're taking away from you know 
the smaller creators, the artists that finally had a place to monetize and that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's one very small niche right. of a use case for Web3, obviously. But for Web3 to grow, for them to have you know more people to potentially get visibility on their projects and everything, I think it's a win for everybody if there's more adoption. And so I think big brands jumping in, doing it in a tasteful, effective way um, will be good. And we'll start to gain some trust again from people that's been lost with SBF and everything that, you know, has been in the, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, wait, are NFTs still a thing? And it's just a lot of the hype has died down. Right. And for the average person that's not in web three and doesn't really know what's happening is just watching from a distance. They see a huge decrease in the noise about NFTs or web three. And so in their minds, like, Oh, I was wondering if that fad was going to die out or, yeah, I didn't really think that like, <laughs> so the sentiment is not really high, but it's it's great because a lot of the annoying um, just hype, I guess, has died down. And so I'm excited for some credibility to come in as larger brands actually attach themselves to it. And maybe they're calling it, like you said, digital collectibles. That's what Starbucks does or something else. But I think that's going to be a big win. And it may not be seen by the general population as a big win for NFTs, because they may not may not even know that it's NFTs, but I think that's how the space grows: is the user experience, the security, all the weird things that we've had to deal with um, as those things kind of iron themselves out, and it just becomes more mainstream, more like easy for people to adopt, and it's actually a better user experience. Um, then I think that's what's really going to make some waves in the space and allow the space to grow for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for those big players to come in. I like digital collectibles, as they call it, because I believe it brings a ton of value to users who are already, you know, consumers of that product. Like you said, they're not taken away from smaller artists. They're already spending with Nike. They're already spending with Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And for me, I really enjoy my Web3 journey because it helped me to connect with people like yourself. Like we would have connected had it not been for NFTs Web3. Same thing in the basketball world with NBA Top Shop, connected with old high school friends I haven't talked to for 20 years. And we got free NBA tickets together because of NFTs. Um, and then Nike most recently came up with their dot swoosh. They onboarded yeah. like 300,000 wallets. Yep. And for Nike enthusiasts, and you know, just connecting those people, like you said, building a small community, finding your tribe and clan, that I, that's where I see the value. Where big brands already have that, right? They just, totally. but most of them aren't connected in a little um, vacuum where they can talk. Uh, or maybe they are, but just, NFTs kind of wraps it together nicely and gives it some some intrinsic value. So I'm super. I'm like, hurry up, guys! Like, I I'm already spending money with you. Like, just give me more stuff, <laughs> and I'm gonna spend more money. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think another area too that I could see a lot of growth is music NFTs because that's so community driven, and I don't think they've fully taken advantage of the opportunities with Web three and NFTs yet. So. I think there's a lot of a lot of potential for music NFTs to take off. So I don't know if that's 2023 or not, but um, shout out to to Ray Isla who is out in Seattle. She's doing a lot of a lot of big things, and she's she kind of organized that portion of our event. But she, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer in the potential and the power of of NFTs for music specifically, and I think there's a lot of a lot of potential there, and I think that's going to be something that grows a lot this year too. Yeah, I was just in Decentro, Miami, Art Basel event, and I was at a conference there. Uh, Timbaland was there with some of his artists, and one of the artists on stage said he made more with a, I think, 20 or 50 mint of his music NFT versus 2 million views of his same music video drop on YouTube. 
which I thought was insane. I'm like 20 to 50. That's like not a lot of people versus yeah. 2 million views on YouTube. I'm like, that is, so he was a, an evangelist for, you know, that platform. He's building his own thing and I'm not going to hype. It's called Timbo land. <laughs> it's his own metaverse. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's so, I, to your point, there's so many things that's going to disrupt. I'm just, I just can't wait for that all to happen. Yeah. Um, last question here before, you know, we leave for today, you already marketing expert. Is there some secret sauce to, Video marketing, you said that you guys are more the expertise or your experts there. Um, is there something applicable? <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> is there something applicable to either Web3 companies or just companies in large that they can apply today that would really help, you know, um, their marketing? Yeah, I mean, I would say the only thing, I mean, I don't think this Besides is... Besides hiring Brandtegic, of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> start there. No, um, I mean, I think I think the fact that Twitter is now pushing video is really interesting to me. And I'm curious to see how that takes off just because it's primarily been like a text platform, obviously, like short form right. text and, you know, limit to 280 characters and that kind of stuff. But that's where a lot of the existing Web3, like especially the hardcore, like NFT concentrated population, that's where they exist is on Twitter. And so with Twitter pushing video, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see who takes advantage of that. And I think trust is so important with NFTs and Web3. People do business with who they know, like, and trust. And so as we aim for adoption and gaining trust with people so that people can trust in this space, I think there's a lot that comes down to education still. Um, as it becomes more and more palatable and less and less techie or you know, using words like NFTs, instead using digital collectibles or however the space transforms, um, I think it'll be less and less about education because ideally you don't need to educate people because it's so second nature and, you know, seamless that it's not a, it's not a whole thing, but I think education for now is still an important element. So needing to reestablish trust with a lot of people needing to educate people and Twitter pushing short form video on their platform. I think that's an opportunity for brands in web three for sure to take advantage of that. And who knows, maybe Twitter doesn't continue doing that, or maybe it doesn't take off, but it could. And what we saw with Instagram Reels when they first started doing that was the people that started doing that at the beginning got massive traction. So it was really low hanging fruit because, you know, they're just pushing out all of a sudden, like a year ago, that wasn't really a thing where you could post on Instagram and it gets seen by a ton of people that don't follow you. Right. Then Reels came on, you post a Reel and now you get 10,000 views on something when you have 500 followers that didn't exist before Instagram huh. Reels and Twitter you already get a lot more traction and, and visibility, I feel like, than just people that follow you. Um, you know, and so it's a little bit easier for that. But I could see that being an opportunity where video could take off and be a really effective place for Web3 brands to invest a little bit of attention. Absolutely. You guys heard it here first. Twitter video. I didn't even know that they were starting to push that. That's amazing. And unbeknownst to me, I put out some video there. So nice. it seems like video is the answer. Everyone wants to see your face and hear from a voice. That's something that I need to apply. So appreciate that tip, Mark. Love it. Awesome. Well, it's been great having you. We got to get you back next year as things progress and we have a ton more stuff to talk about. I mean, we definitely have a lot more to talk about today, but um, we'd love to have you back here. I appreciate you, man. If you're not already, like, comment, subscribe. Joe's the man, so make sure you're following everything this guy does. He's a <laughs> legend. Appreciate you. No, no, no. I'm going to put all Mark's links down below. So for sure, um, we'll stay in touch and appreciate you. And I'll see you soon in Seattle. Yeah, looking forward to it. Bye. Bye.